0: the only one who could ever say Worthy of ever.
1: stone church we are excited to be able to continue to meet together hebrews 10 25 encourages us to meet together as the body of christ we recognize that jesus truly is the name above every other name he is the name above every other sickness every other disease and we're thankful to have jesus christ and we're thankful to continue to meet together although it looks a little bit different we're meeting together online there's different ways we can worship together still we can go to our website which is cornerstonechurches.org we can go to facebook we can also Go to youtube we actually have a youtube channel where we can gather together if you would like to gather your family around the computer or your smart tv whatever it might be also instagram tv so there's so many ways where we can continue to be the body of christ we want to move forward with confidence and we want to move forward cautiously though as well but we don't want to be afraid so we want to encourage you to to be the body of christ to love each other to love our community if there's, if there's those that you know who are in need, make sure to share the love of Christ with those who might need uh, that love shown to them. We're gonna continue in worship this morning, so let us pray together before we do that. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are, that you are sovereign God. Lord, that you are the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And God, we can have so much hope and we can have so much confidence because of the God that we serve this, uh, together as this church, God. So Lord, we thank you just for the opportunity that we have to be creative, to continue to meet together in this fashion. And Lord, we're trusting that you'll be able to bring us all back together quickly as the body of Christ together in one place, under one roof and we're excited for that moment. But in the meantime, God, I pray that you would just be merciful, Lord. God, that you'd be merciful to our world Uh, to our nation. God, that you would put an end to this uh, sickness, an end to this coronavirus, God, that you would put an end to it quickly so that we could get back to life as usual. But God, I pray that it wouldn't be life as usual. I pray that it would be an opportunity to share the love of Christ and Lord, that people would come to know you. God, that we would be the body of Christ to our community, we pray. God, we thank you for this time and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: 62, verse 8. Um, the Lord reminds us. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Amen. This is in all seasons and for all people. And we rejoice because of that. We rejoice that this is the right place to be always before him and trusting in him is is the right move. And we're so thankful because we will see through what God is bringing to fruit. Um, so in, in our worship, I pray that um, we'd all be allowing our hearts to kind of be worked on, be worked in, and allow the spirit to speak. That we would push away the other things that worry us, that drive us, um, that grab our affections, and that we would allow... Um, the Lord to be the center of our the, the thrones in our hearts, um, and that this worship will allow us to point ourselves to Him and guide us each day, each morning.
0: that flows like a rainbow. the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory.
1: God's promises are yes and amen we can be confident in the sovereignty and the goodness and the faithfulness of our God we serve a good father and we can read in his word in 2nd Timothy 1 7 it says for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control we want to hold on to that promise from God's word just as we prepare our hearts for the message this morning so let us pray Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we thank you for your promises, even as we sang about them this morning. God, we hold on to your promises. Lord, you are an awesome promise keeper. We can trust you. You're faithful. You're good. And so, Lord, we just look to you. We continue in our worship now as we prepare our hearts for your word this morning, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: All right. Thank you, Pastor Kyle, and thank you, worship team, and for all of those who are watching And participating and singing and praying with us, we invite you to worship, and we invite you to be part of this, and to open up your Bibles right now, if you would, and we're going to be opening them up to Proverbs chapter 16, and as you probably know, we are still in our Heart Talk series, and even as we are recording these, and most of us are watching them around a smart TV or around our computer, maybe our phone's. Uh, we're still moving on we're still looking at the heart talk series and we're still seeing what the lord has to say to us so while you open up your bibles to proverbs chapter 16 uh, let me invite you to listen to this comical little story it took place in an evening social for army officers and their wives were invited and the commanding general of the base had been given a special award and he opened the evening with a long speech of thanks and in the audience was a lieutenant and he mumbled to a woman that he didn't know who was at his side and he said why would they award him a prize as beyond me what an old windbag the woman turned to him her jaw was set and she said lieutenant do you know who i am no ma'am he said Well, I am the wife of the man that you just called an old windbag. Well, I see, said the young lieutenant, and do you know who I am? No, I do not, said the general's wife. Good, said the lieutenant as he disappeared into the crowd. Just a comical little story about how fast our mouths can get us into trouble. And I'm sure you're like me because I've been hearing a lot throughout this series that all of us struggle with our lips, all of us struggle with our tongue, all of us struggle with the words that are coming out of our mouths. And we've been learning that the source of our words is the heart, not the blood pumping organ, Not the physical organ that is in our chest, the spiritual center of who we are. All of our words are coming from our mouths and those motivations and those demands and those inclinations and those expectations that all reside in our spiritual center. And Solomon is about to teach us how to speak truth that would truly bless others from a heart full of. wisdom do you not want a heart full of wisdom do you not want a wise heart well we're gonna learn how important that really is and we're gonna learn what that really means how do you have a heart full of wisdom so I'm gonna invite you to pay attention to three points that I'm gonna give to you and we're gonna be looking at the Word of God as we unpack these and here's the first point if you have a wise heart your pleasant words will give you an influential reputation if you have a wise heart if you have a heart of wisdom your pleasant words will give you an influential reputation so we're in proverbs 16 it's not really going to do you much good if you don't have your bibles opened So, I'm going to invite you again, if you haven't yet, let's get those open. Proverbs chapter 16, we're going to start at verse 21, and then we're going to look at verses 23 and 24 a little bit later. It's amazing, isn't it, how fast technology has developed, even in the last two decades. I text a lot, but the speed of my texting versus or in comparison to the speed of my children's texting or the younger generation's texting is absolutely incomparable. Their ability to text fast is astounding to me. I really, truly am spellbound by how fast this younger generation can text. And I've known for years that text messages can be abbreviated by the letters SM. S, but I had no idea what that stood for. So I finally looked it up and here's what it means. Short messaging service. That's what a text is. And that's a great way. And I want to invite you to think through the book of Proverbs like short messaging services. They are a collection of short messages of wisdom. And they are mostly given by Solomon. Some of them, a lot of them stand alone. They're in, interconnected in a lot of themes But they're short messages given by Solomon, and he is the king of Israel. And it's likely, and I love this, dads and moms, I hope you listen to this, because I think we ought to be reading through the book of Proverbs with our children frequently. Because it's likely that Solomon taught these very same short messages to his own children, But they were also taught in Israel's royal court to young men who were being trained and they were being groomed to serve the king of Israel. And that's where the gospel ties into this. The book of Proverbs is all about helping us, training us, giving us wisdom so that we can serve the king of all kings, Jesus Christ, and we can serve him in his kingdom. So if you want to know how to have a heart of wisdom, if you want to know how to serve your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then you're not going to find any better book of the Bible than the book of Proverbs. Every single one of them are unlocking for us the key to wisdom and the key to serving our king well. So we look at verse 21, and can you look at that with me? And let's read it. If you're around that TV with your family right now, can I encourage you to read this, maybe even out loud? I'll pause at the end of this, let you do that. The wise of heart, verse 21, is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. The wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Here's a short messaging service from Solomon. It's portable wisdom, meaning that you could take this wherever you go in life. And it teaches us the power of a wise heart. Now, let's just get all on the same level playing field. Do you not want to have wisdom? You know, I've never met anybody anybody ever that has ever told me they don't want wisdom everybody wants wisdom and if you want a heart of wisdom then solomon teaches us that it's going to be discerning it's going to be persuasive not 53 years old i've lived over five decades now and when i was younger uh, there were a brilliant series of commercials on television and they were for the stock brokerage firm E.F. Hutton. Some of you, even when I say that phrase, E.F. Hutton, get that name, you're gonna remember these commercials. And all the characters, and there were always a lot of characters in these scenes, and they were always moving in these commercials in a frenetically busy way. But when one person would lean into the other person, and say the words when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. The entire scene would freeze and everybody would lean in towards the speaker in the commercial. Listen, that's the power of wisdom. If you're going to have a heart of wisdom, then it's going to produce in you a discerning person. And that sweetness of speech is going to make you influential. It's going to make you persuasive when you speak people will listen now solomon knew this i mean he knew this experientially he's not just waxing eloquent he's not just pulling out a, a theory and dropping it down into the words of the scriptures he knew this because first kings chapter 4 says in verse 34 people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of solomon And from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Do you see what that does? Solomon had a heart full of wisdom. God had given it to him. He's our source. You're going to hear it later. If you lack wisdom, cry out, call out, pray, ask God to give it to you. He will give it. It's his possession. He's the only one that possesses this kind of wisdom. And he had given it. He had poured it into Solomon's heart. And look how persuasive he came. Look how influential he came. People came from all around the globe to listen to him, to talk to him. If your heart is wise, I'm going to tell you right now, the Bible says you will soon develop the reputation as a discerning person. That means you will be a prudent person, meaning that you will give great thought before you speak right there if we could just learn that do you see that that's the product of wisdom if you're going to cry out for wisdom and God's going to give it to you which he promises to give to his children then what that's going to produce in you is a pause button between your heart and your lips And words are going to start moving towards your lips from your heart, and they are going to get not stuck, they're going to get paused, and you're going to examine those words, and you're going to see, will these words, you're going to discern, will these words really be true? Will they be helpful? Will they be gracious? If they have to be corrective, will they be corrective in love? You see, that pause button is generated by wisdom. A heart of witness, or a heart of witness, hits the pause button before you speak. You become discerning. And Proverbs one verse five is going to be true of you. Let the wise hear, an increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain or obtain obtain guidance. See, this is the power of wisdom. It makes us listeners more than it makes us speakers. And what is true of what I said the first week of the series is going to be true with the heart of wisdom. You will learn to seek first to understand before you demand to be understood. That's the power of wisdom. This is the beauty of wisdom. The words of the discerning, wise-hearted person will be described, look at that verse, verse 21, as sweetness of speech, not syrupy words of flattery, They're not fake words, they're not platitudes, they're not not positive words because you're afraid of speaking the truth to somebody. I mean, to speak loving words that aren't true flatters people with empty and manipulative praise. And speaking true words that aren't loving, well, that just hurts people. Wisdom brings both together. We're going to learn to speak truth, but we're going to learn to speak truth in a loving way. Why? Because we're discerning. There is a pause button. Wisdom has generated the ability to not speak yet. You've got to wait until you understand. You've got to listen more. And this is what Ephesians 4.15 means. Rather speaking the truth in love, We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So speaking the truth in love, that's the product of a wise heart. And this is how Jesus spoke. I mean, there's nothing, and I mean nothing, that I like talking about more than Jesus. Every time I preach centrally on the person of Jesus, that always has been my most blessed week of study. It's my... My favorite sermons to preach. So here's how Jesus spoke and all spoke well of Jesus. And they marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. He had a heart full of wisdom. And that's how a a wise heart speaks. And the result is going to be that we are persuasive. Our words bear power. They have influence. They will generate an impact. In fact, the word persuasiveness in verse 21, it has the basic meaning here of taking or seizing the ability to convince others. So here's what it really means that if you've got a heart of wisdom, you're going to have a pause button. You're going to be discerning. And you're not going to speak until you understand the situation. You're going to examine your words. But when those those words come out of your mouth, they will seize the moment. They will make an impact. They will generate power and influence. And people will listen to the words that come from the wise of heart. Now, that's verse 21. And I think it allows us to take a really brief moment to just Ask ourselves, is that how I speak? Ask ourselves, am I praying and am I asking God to fill me with wisdom? Because just like that story in the beginning of this sermon shows us, we can speak in a way when we are not aware of what we're saying that hurts people, that damages our reputation, that reflects poorly on our God. So we've got to ask God, would you give us wisdom? Don't try to walk out of a sermon and say, you know, I've got to try harder. hold my tongue i've got to try harder to speak the right words you're going to fail i'm going to fail what you need to do at the end of a sermon like this is fall on your face and repent and ask god would you please give me wisdom because wisdom will provide discernment it will hit the pause button it will make my words sweet and it will be persuasive whatever i speak and it will generate impact why because god has given us wisdom well point number two is this very simple if you have a wise heart your words will be insightful your words are going to be insightful you know there's people that are described as young of heart that's usually people who are in their fifth decade like i am of living and i act like a kid That's not always true. There's those who have just a lot of energy, a lot of life in them. They're called young at heart. And then there's some who are very young that just have an odd, uncanny maturity to them. And it's said of them that they are an old soul. But what exactly does it mean that a person is wise of heart. Look at verse 23. That's the wording that we're going to see again from Solomon. What's it mean to be wise of heart? And throughout the book of Proverbs, you're going to see that you've got two options. There's never going to be a third presented in Proverbs. There's really not going to be a third presented in the Bible. You either have a heart full of wisdom or you have a heart full of folly you are either a wise person or a foolish person and if you're a wise person it will lead to life and proverbs says if you're a foolish person it's going to lead to death and destruction but what does it actually mean to be wise of heart and solomon graciously will answer that question and he will do it in chapter 9 verse 10 now if you're gathered around that tv or your smartphone or your computer, and you're watching this sermon right now, can I invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you're with your families, get all your Bibles turned to Proverbs chapter 9. You only got to go back a few pages and read with me verse 10, because I want to explain what this means, because it's a pivotal verse for the entire book of Proverbs. It says this in Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, I think I know what a lot of you are thinking because I've thought this for a lot of my life. The fear of the Lord sounds so terrible. Why are we encouraged to be afraid of God? But for somebody that has faith, for someone who has a relationship with God through Jesus Christ... This fear is not terror fear, as in you're terrified of what's in the dark at night. This fear is reverence fear. It is awe kind of fear. It's the kind of fear that you have when you won't go to any doctor other than the one who has treated you so well for years. The thought of going to a different doctor just is fearful for you. If we are to have hearts of wisdom... I hope you understand this i'm going to make this so simple i hope if you're going to have a heart of the wise or be wise of heart then it begins with an awe of god a reverence for god an astonishment of god that he is so amazing That God is so holy, so powerful, so good, so perfect, so loving that you would not dare. You would not even desire to defy him. You would not even want to trust in any other being other than God. You see, a wise heart treats God differently than anyone else, treasuring him above everybody else. He isn't just someone you think about on the weekend— God isn't somebody that you pray to only when a crisis hits your life. God isn't just one of several advice givers and you kind of put them on even footing with the rest of the advice givers in your life. He's not somebody that when life gets tough, you might talk to a little bit more. He is the refuge. He is the counselor. He is the ultimate source of help. A heart that is wise is a heart that fears God and knows that God will discipline us when we sin. He will take us to the woodshed if it's necessary. But even during that discipline, even when we're on the way to the woodshed, we're going to know, we're going to sense, we're going to feel, we're going to be assured of, we're going to be comforted by his love and his mercy for us, for he only disciplines those he loves. If he's disciplining you, that's his love language because what you're pursuing or what I'm pursuing is going to rob you of joy. It's going to lead you towards a path of folly that's going to lead towards death and destruction. His discipline for his children is his love. Just like any other parent, if your child is running towards a cliff, it's going to run and going to yell and going to remind you to never do that again, maybe even scold you, possibly even spank you. Whatever it takes so that you Do not run off the edge of that cliff to your death. That's what a loving parent does. This is what our God does. See, the heart that values God above anyone or anything is a heart that will never want to defy him. It will never think little of God. It will never treat God as a distant friend. That heart is a wise heart. See, the fear of the Lord, the awe, the reverence, the love, the adoration of the Lord, that is the beginning of wisdom. You won't get wisdom until you've got the fear of the Lord. And when you get the fear of the Lord, you've got the beginnings of a life full of wisdom. See, wisdom is relying on God. I mean, what actually is wisdom? It's relying on God for his help. It's the fear of seeking that help anywhere else but him. Why would you want advice from anybody that's not omniscient? From anybody that's not all-knowing? From anybody that doesn't love you the way that God loves you? So wisdom is relying on God for our help. It is seeking our advice from him more than anybody else. It is knowing God. It is trusting God. It is relying on his power to live in a way that is pleasing to him. Now, let's get right down to it. Here's what a wise heart will look like. You will be confident that God will always help you learn to speak well. That's how to apply a wise heart to this context of our words. The furthest thing from your heart, if you've got wisdom, if you've got the fear of the Lord, the furthest thing from your heart would be to speak in a way that would grieve God. So let's get really, really real. Just go back one week. And to be honest with you, I didn't really do that well in all cases. How did you speak towards your parents? What words came out of your mouth towards your spouse? What words came out of your mouth towards your children? Was there wisdom in your hearts that was sweetness of speech and influential to your coworkers? If you're younger and you've got siblings, how did you speak to your brothers and your sisters this past week? How did you speak to your teammates? How did you speak about your boss? See, if we're going to have wise hearts that have begun to be filled because there is a fear of the Lord, there is an awe of God, an astonishment at his love, a reverence for who he is that is above anything and everything else. If we're going to have a wise heart, then we're going to have the power from God to never want to displease him with our words. And when those words begin to come up from our heart, before they get out of our lips, we're going to have the power to check them at the door, to be able to say, no, I cannot speak this way. This will not bless anybody. It will not please my God. See, it finally brings us to verse 23. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. I had no idea, no idea what the word judicious meant, so I looked it up this past week. It's actually pretty simple. I don't know why it has to be such a difficult word. Why not just use these words? It means to be insightful, it means to be clear, it means to have sound judgment. So we wisely make our speech insightful. If you have a heart of wisdom, you're going to speak with sound judgment. You don't have to be up in the clouds waxing philosophical where nobody really understands you. And you don't need to speak because words are rushing out of your mouth that are utterly unhelpful for the person that's hearing. I mean, this is the the most conviction that I think I've personally felt over the last 10 years, is that I learned to speak wisely rather than just pouring out my opinions, which really don't matter. They really don't impact anybody. What is God saying? That's what I want to come out of my mouth. I want the word of God and the principles extracted from his scriptures. I want that to be in my mind, that to be in our heart, my heart, and I want that to be coming out of my mouth. To to speak judiciously means that we make our speech insightful, that we pause before we speak so that we can understand what the person is really needing to hear. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses in Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. Can I encourage you to memorize this? It's really easy. It's just one of those verses that flows and it's easy to commit to memory it goes like this, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding will draw it out. That means the deeper you go in the ocean, the darker things get. You cannot see clearly at all. So if you've got a wise friend If you've got a counselor who is wise in heart, if you've got a husband or a wife wise in heart, they're going to be able to look at you and they're going to be able to speak in a way that draws out of your heart that you cannot see your motivations, Your expectations, your demands, your desires, your hurts, your dreams, they're going to draw it out from the darkness at the bottom of your heart, and they're going to bring it up so that you can see. That's how a wise person speaks. And that's influence. See, those with understanding, those with wisdom will be persuasive. They will be influential. They will help others. By the way, I want to remind you of a story that I think probably a lot of you are familiar with. Do you remember that story all the way back in 1 Kings chapter 3 where Solomon was holding court and two prostitutes came to him? Now, I'm pretty sure Solomon didn't read a book. Here's what you do when two prostitutes come to you. Here's what you're supposed to say. I don't think he had any previous training for this situation he was about to face. These two prostitutes shared a house together. And each of them had a baby just days apart, three days apart. But one of them rolled over in her sleep and suffocated her baby. So in the middle of the night, she took her dead baby, gave it to the other woman, and took the live baby from that woman and put it under her own chest and went back to sleep. That woman, the other woman, woke up with a dead baby. But moms, you know this. You know this. You know whose baby's yours. That baby came from you. And they came to Solomon to settle their dispute. And this was a sharp, grief-filled dispute. And they told Solomon what happened. And Solomon calls for a sword, and he commands that the living baby be cut in two. And one half of that baby give to one woman, and the other half give to the other woman. Now, you want to know what Solomon's wisdom looks like? Here's what it looks like. He knew the baby's true mother would cry out to protect her baby. Meanwhile, the other one said, go ahead, cut him in two. It's only fair. He knew which mother was the mother of that living baby. And all Israel stood in awe of the king because they perceived, listen to this, that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. That's what a judicious heart looks like. That's what a heart of wisdom looks like. You will gain understanding. You will have sound judgment and you will speak clearly and you will be persuasive. If you don't have that right now, The Bible tells you how to get it. James chapter 1, cry out to God and he will give you that kind of wisdom. But there's one final point that I want to give to you. If you have a wise heart, your words will refresh and heal those who hear them. If you have a wise heart, your words will refresh and they will heal those who hear them. It might seem strange for me to say this. It's going to sound strange, I'm sure, to some of us. But our inner beings affect our outer beings. The health of our souls affects the health of our bodies. And we're living in the age. What a privilege. We're living in a time of technology and, and, and medicine and science when we're seeing that being proved over and over and over I'll give you a few examples there's one of the leading burn specialists in all the world that wrote an article on this he said this it's often true that when a person gets severely burned they're full of anger they're full of bitterness maybe that fire was caused by somebody else and they have unforgiveness in their hearts And he writes in this article that I have not been able to get skin grafts to successfully take if the patient has a heart full of bitterness and unforgiveness and anger. In fact, I'm going to tell you what he has learned to do in his practice. This is one of the leading, foremost experts of burn practice, burn medicine in the world. He gets his patient to counseling before he gets his patient to a skin graft. The inner being affects the outer being. According to a study at Ohio State University, a 30-minute argument with your spouse can slow your body's ability to heal by at least a day. If you're somebody that argues regularly, the time of your healing is doubled. A long-term study in Michigan of women who suppress their anger in confrontations found that they had twice the risk of dying from conditions like a heart attack, a stroke, or a can- or cancer. Our inner beings affect our outer beings. Our souls affect our bodies. Angry outbursts, they might be brief, but a University College of London found that they caused surges in your blood pressure and your heart rate. They raised the risk of a heart attack by 19%. A study in Italy discovered that feelings of love raises levels of a hormone-like substance that will improve your memory, triggering the growth of new brain cells. Dr. Lee Burke of Loma Linda University in California, he discovered that laughter increases beta endorphins by 27% and sleep-aiding hormones by 87%, even reducing your risk of a heart attack. I mean, if somebody's having a heart attack around you, forget the aspirin, tell them a good joke. Listen, our inner beings affect our outer beings, how we are on the inside will affect our physical health. And Solomon knew all about this. Look at Proverbs 3. He writes this, fear the Lord. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. That's a physical response of the fear of the Lord. He writes in Proverbs 1430, a tranquil heart, meaning a heart at peace, not of anxiety, Gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. You just ache in your bones. A joyful heart is good medicine, Proverbs seventeen twenty two. But a crushed spirit, depression, grief, loss, discouragement, despair, it dries up the bones. Proverbs 17, 22. He says in, 17, in, in Proverbs 12, verse 18, there is one whose rash words, who speaks impulsively and, and without thinking. They are like sword thrusts. They cut people down. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. And it brings us back to our passage in chapter 16 of Proverbs. Look at verse 24 with me. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. I don't know about you, but our family loves honey. My brother in Ohio actually was a beekeeper. He actually made honey or he harvested honey. But honey was not just a luxury among Israel. It was actually considered a medicine as well. You might remember when Solomon's father, David, well, you you probably don't remember this because I'm making this up, this part of it, but I'm sure that David told Solomon about his best, best friend, Jonathan, and something that happened in Jonathan's life. Do you remember that story in the Old Testament where Saul unwisely, who was the king of Israel, commanded his army to fast, they're in a war with the philistines he says we're going to fast if you're an endurance athlete you know the critical importance of food and drink but he commanded the army to fast and david did not hear about that fast he was off on a scouting report he was on the fringes attacking the philistines and he was weary and the bible says that when he ate some honey he took his staff and he dipped it into a honeycomb and he brought it to his lips and he ate the honey the bible says his eyes became bright and strength and energy came back into him that same rejuvenating power verse 24 is given through gracious words have you ever seen your words like that you can bring Energy, you can bring life, you can bring encouragement into a person whose heart is crushed. Look at verse 24 again. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. You can speak in a way that will help a sick person find hope. In confidence and endure a disease. Right now, with this whole coronavirus pandemic we've got the opportunity those of us in the church those of us who are christians we can speak in a way to people that are terrified that look like an apocalypse has happened that are walking around with no hope and they are walking around in fear and maybe even getting sick we can speak in a way that will encourage them that will help them trust god right now people are ready to listen about god It takes a crisis, unfortunately, for many. And we are the bearers of the good news. And we can use our words like a honeycomb. And they can bring sweetness to the soul and health to the body. But what makes our words gracious? I mean, I really want you to think about that for a moment. What makes our words gracious? It's when they're kind. It's when they're forgiving. It's when they're loving and they're willing to overlook an offense. I mean, haven't you ever had somebody that has hurt you even deeply? And they've never even apologized to you. Yeah, Christ is in you and the Spirit of God is moving you and you go and you speak kindness to them and you speak love to them, and you, sp- you speak grace to them. And it can actually have the power to move them to repentance and to move that person who offended you to humility. See, the gracious heart knows it's really not necessary to state an opinion on every subject. You really can let it go. It really isn't important to have the last word in every argument. It's not even gracious to demand your way in every decision. It isn't necessary to defend yourself against every criticism. It's not even necessary to share your view in every conversation. If you want to know how to have gracious words that are coming from a heart of wisdom that are like a honeycomb that are going to bring sweetness and health to a person, then you've got to learn to speak graciously. There's a lot of times we just don't need to argue. And instead, we can speak graciously and kindly overlooking offenses forgivingly lovingly and we will impact their souls as well as their bodies that's the power that our words have to give life well i'm probably 40 seconds from finishing this message but let me just review for a moment if we have wise hearts verse 21 then our pleasant words will gain us influential reputations. People will come to you. They will want to hear what you have to say. If we have hearts that are wise, verse 23, then our words will be insightful. They will be judicious. They will have sound judgment. They will be clear and we will be helpful to others and we will be persuasive. And verse 24, if we have wise hearts, our words will refresh the souls of those who hear. And they will heal the bodies, even, of those who hear. That's the power of a heart of wisdom that speaks. That's the power of heart talk for a Christian. Do you want that wisdom? Do you want to have a heart full of wisdom Then do what I said twice now and for the third time. Go to James chapter 1 and look again at what God said. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Just ask. Just pray. Father, I need wisdom. I lack it. And my words are not hitting the pause button, they're pouring out and they're hurting. Or they're not bringing life, would you give me that wisdom? And God says, I've been waiting for you to ask. And let's start this journey together. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of a wise heart. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this passage in Proverbs chapter 16. It is so powerful. There's so much more that I could have said. There's so much more that needs to be said. Lord, I trust that we, your people, will study. That we will not end our journey of a wise heart with the end of this sermon, Lord. But this will be a catapult that will just whet our appetite. That we will go and we will take our families through Proverbs. And we will take our families through how we can gain wisdom. And that we will pray. And Lord, I would ask that you would help everybody that's listening to this message, Lord, whether we are grouped up in our families, whether we are by ourselves, Lord, that we will not leave this message until we have a time of prayer. Together as a family or by ourselves, we will ask our God for wisdom. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like. We go to the source of wisdom We don't go to a best-selling book. We don't go to a good friend that's not a Christian. We don't even go to a friend that is a Christian first. We go to our God. He's the one that has all wisdom, and he's the one that gives it, and he will give it generously to those who ask. Father, would you teach us to have wisdom and to speak persuasively, clearly, with sound judgment, sweetly, and bring healing to the soul as well as to the body. We ask for your help in that, and in Jesus' name, amen.